You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers, and Gil is the host of Locked On NHL, and he writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Gil, today we are going to be wrapping up our... Uh, exploration of the 2022 Packers draft. And uh, so our first episode was on Quay Walker. Second episode was Devontae Wyatt. Is that correct? Then we did uh, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs as a pair, since they're the two wide receivers. And then we hit hit the two early offensive linemen, um, uh, Sean Ryan and Zach Tom. So today we are going to wrap things up. We're going to talk about our fifth round pick Kingsley and Nagbar. And there was no sixth round pick this year. We traded that away for Randall Cobb, but we did have three seventh rounders. So we got four players to talk about today. And that's going to round out this discussion. I do think at some point we're going to want to talk about the undrafted free agents, but uh, my vote is we take a little bit of a break from the player breakdowns and talk about um, some other interesting topics. And, and uh, next week's topic in particular, I think it's going to be a fun one. Uh, our plan is to ask the question, what do the Packers need to do to win a Super Bowl this mm-hmm. season? So that'll be a good one. We did that last year. We may have even done it the year before as well, but uh, we're going to revisit that. That's going to be a fun topic. What's up? That will be good. One thing we did have four seventh round picks. Four seventh round picks. You're leaving out Samurai Toure. No, I got him. Okay, so there's Toure. Toure, Walker, and uh, oh, you're right. There are four. You're right. There's four. Ford and Carpenter. Yeah, I forgot about Carpenter. That's who I was leaving out. So Okay. All right, so so here, here's our four seventh round picks. We got the first one taken was Tariq Carpenter, and uh, we got Carpenter for trading away uh, – Kadar Holman to the Texans. Interestingly, the seventh round pick that we got from the Texans was originally the Bears pick, and uh, they gave that away to Houston, I believe, as part of a, a the package deal with Anthony Miller, who I don't think is even with the Texans anymore. I don't think so either. <laughs> uh, but then we took John Ford, defensive tackle out of Miami. Uh, I think I forgot to say. Tariq Carpenter is a safety from Georgia Tech, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But John Ford, defensive tackle out of Miami. Uh, we got this pick by trading back in the fifth round. Uh, we traded with the Broncos, who drafted center Luke Wattenberg, and we traded back uh, seven or eight picks, and that's where we took Kingsley and Nagbar, mm-hmm. uh, who is who I wanted to take with that pick anyways. So... Uh, the fact that he was still available when we were back on the clock, I was ex- quite excited about that. Yeah. And, and you got to love his uh, nickname, too. JJ. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah uh, tell us where he where he got that nickname. 
He actually got that nickname uh, because uh, he was a fan as a kid of J.J. the Jet Plane, the TV show, and he had a lot of energy like J.J. did, and the name kind of stuck when he was a very young child. Yeah, and uh, when when I heard that, that's when I kind of realized how old I'm starting to get because I remember when the show J.J. the Jet Plane came out because everybody had to make comments about it to me because my name is JJ. Right. And I was, I was so, so way too old for JJ, the jet plane at that point <laughs> that now to be hearing that an NFL player loved that <laughs> show as a kid, I feel older than dirt. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to ask what that makes me. So, okay. <laughs> well, you're old enough to be uh, at least my, my dad. So, Yeah. <laughs> We've already we've already had conversations about you know what dinosaur meat tasted like and, and all that. <laughs> so Something John, about quill and parchment, right? I mean, <laughs> the John Ford pick originally belonged to the Cleveland Browns. It was traded to the Lions, then traded to the Denver Broncos, and then finally to the Packers. Uh, hopefully, John Ford sticks because that pick has been passed around a few times. <laughs> Next up. We have, uh, where is he? So this is our our actual seventh round pick. And this was tackle Rashid Walker out of Penn State. Mm-hmm. And we rounded things off with a compensatory pick that we got for Jamal Williams. And this would be wide receiver Samori Toure, Nebraska. So these are the five guys we're going to talk about. Let's dive in first to Kingsley and Nagbar. Uh, because I think... Uh, not only just because he's the earliest pick of the bunch, but just due to the position he plays, um, as a, a, a pass rusher, which is a thin position for us, mm-hmm. I think he has the highest odds of seeing playing time this year. Um, I have some pretty significant concerns about our pass rushing group this year. Because if you look at the Packers defense last year, uh, the the uh, first couple games of the season, obviously they were still trying to figure things out, had a bad showing against the Saints, uh, another bad showing the following week against the Lions. Uh, they allowed 35 and 38 points in those two games and then 28 points in week three against the 49ers. At that point, they finally cleaned things up and they really were rolling for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight weeks of just phenomenal defensive performance. The best defense in football culminating in that week, that final week there against the Seahawks with a shutout. Yep. Fantastic. Something happened in that Seahawks game, though. Whitney Merciless got hurt towards bicep. Rashawn Gary also got hurt. So we were down to Preston Smith and uh, Jonathan Garvin as our top two pass rushers. Well, the following week, we allowed 34 points to the Vikings, lost that game. The Packers offense put up 31 points, but it just was not even remotely enough to get the job done. The secondary of the Packers defense was shredded in that game. Yes. Largely because there was no pass rush. And Kirk Cousins could just hang back all day and let the receivers run 50 yards down the field. And it was it was a bloodbath. Now, 
from then on. So you get uh, Vikings, 34 points, Rams, 28 points, a little bit better. Bears, 30 points. Now, I know seven of those came from special teams, but still even 23 points to the worst offense in football is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And 30 points to the Ravens, who did not have Lamar Jackson. They had Tyler Huntley under center. Right. Then 22 points the following week to the Browns. This was Christmas Day. But if you recall, the final score was not indicative of how the game went. The Browns running game did whatever they wanted. And the Browns, for some reason, refused to run the ball a lot of the day. And they kept putting the, the ball in Baker's hands. And he had a bum shoulder, didn't have any receivers to throw to. It was a disaster whenever they were passing the ball. If they had continued to run the ball at the end of the game, no doubt in my mind they could have won that game. Fortunately, they decided not to, uh, and the Packers were able to hold them to just 22 points. But uh, Nick Chubb did whatever he wanted on the ground. I think he ran for over eight and a half yards per carry the entire game. It was pretty ugly. Now, the next week, we only allowed 10 points. Fantastic, right? Except we were playing the Vikings, who did not have a quarterback. Right. Sean Mannion, I think, started for them, um, and it was a, a, a pitiful performance. So, um, I'm look, I'm not dogging the Packers for, you know, like, oh, you should have held them without a point. I'm just saying you can't really come away with that, you know, excited about what the defense did either, necessarily. Uh, just because you're facing an offense that does not have a quarterback on the field. <laughs> You, right. gotta, you know what, though? You got to give them credit for doing what they were supposed to do. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm just saying, like, so far we've gone, uh, we had five games in a row where you would say that it was a an unacceptable defensive performance. Right. The sixth game, then, uh, the box score looks great. And you would say the quality of play was great. But also, you don't exactly have a real opponent in front of you either. Correct. Now, the week after that. Packers offense managed to put up 30 points. This was against the Lions, um, and uh, Aaron Rodgers only played the first half. Jordan Love played the second half. 30 points total from the Packers offense. You'd think that would be good enough to win the game. Not so much. They coughed up 37 points to the Lions. But again, no Devondre Campbell, no – a lot of guys sat at least half, if not all, of that game. Sure. Uh, the, the next game that we played was the playoff game where the defense was quite, quite good. Mm-hmm. That happened to be the game that you got Zadarius and Whitney back. And I just think. And Jair. At, yeah. And Jair. But, I'm, plays, I'm, but yeah. I'm just I'm just pointing out that after the Seahawks game, you have uh, six out of seven games. Uh, so there's a seven game stretch in which you don't have a third pass rusher. You have Rashawn and Preston and nobody else. Right. No Whitney, no Zedarius. Um, And then the very next game is when they is when Whitney and Zedarius came back and all of a sudden the, the defense is okay again. And I looking at it, it just seems to me to be too big of a coincidence to ignore. So, all of this to say, I think Kingsley and Agbar and maybe an addition is pretty essential. But but Agbar is going to have to get some playing time and he's going to have to be good, I think, or they're going to have to make an addition this year. 
Yeah. Uh, the other, the, the only thing about it is now the way they've constructed the defense during the off season, mm-hmm. they are looking at more alternative ways to get to the quarterback. They are not going to limit sure. it just to the edge because now you've got Jerron Reed who might be able to rush the quarterback. You've added in the draft, uh, you know, Quay an Walker, interior Rob defensive Ryan. lineman who can certainly help get to the to the quarterback, and then Quay Walker. So between Wyatt and Walker, you know, these are guys who can provide alternative positions besides the edge to try to get pressure on the quarterback. And all of that being said, yes, they are so thin at edge rusher, it's a big concern to me. Kingsley has a lot of traits that really excite you. One of the things that I like the most about him is I, I I would say it's his effort and his follow through his motor. This dude never gives up on a play. Even after I would have told him, dude, the play is over. Like just <laughs> it doesn't matter. He keeps fighting. And sometimes it actually makes a difference. He's never content being blocked. This dude battles. He also has uh, really long arms. You like that? Good, strong hands, uh, great first step quickness, a lot of explosiveness. Um, one of the things that you notice when you're watching him play, and I'm far from the first to point this out, obviously, but the way that he was used at times at South Carolina reminds you a lot of Zedarius. Of Zedarius. Mm-hmm. He'll get used, um, got you know, just roving around the defensive line, maybe lined up over the center. Um, the the similarities between his game and Zadarius's game are starting startling and noticeable. And I'm interested to see if there is a role for him in year one when he's still a rookie uh, in, in some of those ways, or if they're really going to try and limit his game and keep him focused uh, you know, much more heavily on um, just the, learning the basics of the position and not getting cute. I think they're going to want him to learn the basics of the position, but what you could see and what may be a, a good role for him as a rookie is to have him be a situational pass rusher mm-hmm. and just come in on third and 12, third and eight, third and seven. When you know the other team is going to pass and you want to get an extra body out there who can get to the quarterback, that would probably be the ideal time to have him do that. And and just, you know, okay, get to the quarterback. This is what you know how to do, and this is what you're going to do first. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's going to be used more than that because they need three pass rushers, and all you have ahead of him are Rashawn and Preston. And, you know, no, no offense to Jonathan Garvin, but – I have a hard time envisioning a world where uh, Kingsley can't beat out Jonathan Garvin by the end of the year. By the end of the year, but I don't know about week one. Well, I mean, it's that's the Packers. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe that he fell as far as he did. I saw a lot of boards with him as a second rounder. He was a guy who um, I really felt was a steal. I, I couldn't. I couldn't believe why we passed up on him in, say, the fourth round, Um, even though, you know, I I was plenty, you know, very excited 
um, you know, with our our uh, first fifth round pick that we took Zach Tom because I liked Zach Tom a lot. And I was excited about that. But there was a part of me that was sad because I was thinking, all right, it's ridiculous that Kingsley has fallen as far as he has. There's no way he's going to continue to fall. Uh, so we are missing out on him. Fortunately, yet we did not wrong. Yeah. And and I'm curious, um, Gil, what what your thoughts are on why he fell so far? Well, I think the biggest reason he fell, a couple of things. Number one, he had a serious hip injury uh, before his junior season that required surgery. So that may have scared a couple of teams off. And then the other thing is the one thing about Kingsley that is a little different than some of the other Packer draft pick his relative athletic score is a little bit lower. It's a 6.26. And I think that number probably, you know, when it was choosing between him and another player, that low relative athletic score probably scared off a few teams. You know, that's a good point. Uh, Looking at um, guys whose RAS we actually have, so Rasheed Walker and Romeo Dobbs do not count. We don't know what their RAS is. The only other player with even a a comparable RAS that they drafted was Samori Toure, who was their final seventh-round pick. Right. um, One of the very last picks of the entire draft. Uh, And he had a 6.1. Everybody else who was drafted had a nine or better with the exception of Sean Ryan, who was an 8.2, still very high. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, Especially that for is, the middle rounds. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's interesting. That is very interesting. Um, okay. So we've, we've talked about how he can be used, um, some of his uh, strengths um, and some of the weaknesses. But I, I'm one thing that I'm, I'm still – curious about here do you think that they need to add another veteran uh pass rusher in free agency i would before the season begins i i would do that uh i think you know we're after june 1st now i think there will be some people available i think you're looking for this year's equivalent of whitney merciless you're looking for a guy who will sign for the league minimum or close to it uh, and just give you a little experience juice off the edge, especially if an injury strikes early in the season, you don't have anyone who you feel very comfortable with putting out there for, you know, 50 or more percent of the defensive snaps without really sacrificing your pass rush. So they need someone to fill that role. I think there are a few players that you've heard of who are available in free agency right now. Um, and if I if any of these names that I read off um, have announced already that they are retiring, then just, you know, just give me give me some grace there. Uh, <laughs> some some of these other other teams uh, who aren't, you know, in our comp or in our division, I don't pay a ton of attention to at, at this point in the year because there's so much um, roster churn just with the Packers. But Jason Pierre Paul, 33 mm-hmm. years old, last played for Tampa. Um, Anthony Barr is a guy I'm just not that interested in because, <laughs> because I don't think he's played very good football for the last four or five years. Right. Um, but you know, the, this is the NFC North. They love pillaging each other's former players. If the Packers were to be interested in him, it's, it wouldn't even be remotely shocking. 
I hope they aren't because I, I just don't think he's played good football for a while, but he's out there. Uh, Carl Nassib. Um, it's been a couple of years since he had a good year, but he was good uh, a few years ago. Carlos Dunlap, though, 33 years old. Um, I think he got traded from the Bengals to the Seahawks last year, but I don't think the Seahawks brought him back at the a, after the season. So that's a guy who might still be available. Uh, KJ Wright is still out there. Last played for, uh, the Raiders, Mm -hmm. uh, 32 years old. Ryan Kerrigan is 33. I don't think he played football last year though. No, I don't think so. Justin Houston is unsigned right now. He played for Baltimore last year. He's 33 years old. So these guys are all getting up there. You know, we're, we're talking about a, uh, Whitney merciless, um, caliber of player here. Everson Griffin is still out here, but I think he finally hit a wall last year and had his first bad year. Uh, if I recall correctly, or maybe, maybe that was two years ago. Maybe he bounced back this past year. Um, so that, but, uh, these are some, some names to think about. Uh, a couple other things with Kingsley before we move on from him though. Um, uh, here, here's the negative that was listed by the draft network football IQ. And Agbar has room for improvement when it comes to processing and play recognition skills. Uh, there are too many instances of him failing to read blocks in the run game, and he concedes his gap because he gets reached. There are times when he is peaking in the backfield and loses track of his positioning on the field. That's the kind of thing that I think under Mike Pettin would have kept him off the field entirely. Yes. Uh, under Joe Barry. <clears throat> maybe would be a little bit different just because there is not such a heavy emphasis on uh, other people having to clean up for your mistakes in Joe Barry's scheme. So that, that could be a bonus. Um, another, uh, another, another negative here, run defense. And Negbar is inconsistent maintaining his run fits. This is something I've seen um, in quite a few, scattering reports uh, of him. And I noticed a few plays when I was watching him where he um, really just seemed to be in the totally in the wrong spot. And there's just a, a gaping barn door open for a running back to sprint down the field through. Yeah. He's going to have to clean that up. Uh, run defense could be a bit of a liability when he is on the field. I've heard a lot of people talk about him more as a third down pass rusher as just as look, he can get after the quarterback, but you can't trust him at this point yet in his run defense to any degree. I've heard people say that before. So uh, just something to monitor. You know, he he did fall to the fifth round. So uh, a lot of teams felt this way. And the Packers, you know, had an earlier fifth round pick and were not interested in him there over Zach Tom. So um, it, or or at the uh, pick that they traded out of. Um, right earlier in the round as well. So, which is again why I said the designated pass rusher in obvious passing downs may be his role as a rookie at least. All right, before we move on, a quick word from our sponsor. Let me tell you about our new partner Athletic Greens. We were recently introduced to their new health supplement AG1. So, what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of these things. 
and it's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. And it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So uh, Nagbar, super exciting pick to me. Love him a lot. Uh, Let's see how his rookie season goes. But um, I, I absolutely am in favor of bringing somebody else in in free agency um i'd i'd like to add some more depth uh to me it it just is so um vital that you have that rotational pass depth and and like you like you said they're changing up the defense this year they're going to generate pressure from more spots on the field that's awesome it's important but also, you can't have Preston and Rashawn out there for the entire game. You you're, you have to um, have other guys that you believe in when those two guys need to go sit on the bench. And it'd be nice to have Rashawn and Preston out there at the same time as each other and not just like, okay, it's uh, here's uh, Rashawn and Tipa. Okay, now it's uh, Preston and Garvin. You know, right. it'd be nice to have your two best pass rushers out there at the same time uh, to, to really get after the quarterback. All right. Next up is Tariq Carpenter. So he was drafted as a safety. And almost immediately, um, I think even that very day, Matt LaFleur (laughs) said that they were going to move him to the linebacker room. Now, that may be true. He's the head coach. It's not my spot to argue with him. And Tariq is a big boy. But looking at the roster, we have a lot of guys in the linebacker room and almost nobody in the safety room. We have, if, if you were to look um, across the roster at the average number of players that the Packers keep every year, uh, you have on average, uh, I would say three additional players in each room over the number that they typically keep at that position. Uh, the only exception, uh, would be a uh, quarterback and safety. And there's a pretty, pretty big difference between quarterback and safety. Cause you only need one quarterback out there. Right. Um, so for safety, we have Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage, Vernon Scott. And then after that, we have Sean Davis, uh, who was a UDFA last year, I believe, Ennis Gaines, who was on our practice squad all year, and then 2022 undrafted free agent Trey Sterling. When you look at inside linebacker, you have four guys. Well, you have you have three guys who the Packers clearly view or have used as starters. Devondre Campbell, uh, Chris Barnes, uh, Quay Walker. Next up would be Ty Summers. Mm-hmm. Then Isaiah McDuffie. 
And then you have uh, Ray Wilborn, who was on our practice squad last year. Ellis Brooks, 2022 undrafted free agent. And Khalif Bryce, 2022 free agent. So looking at, at these lists, you got um, four extra inside linebackers or two extra safeties. And then you have Tariq Carpenter here. And we're talking about pushing him over into that already pretty crowded linebacker room and ignoring our paper thin safety room (laughs) to me again. I'm not the head coach, but he feels like a need in the safety room. That's all I'm saying. And and, and is that the best way to use him? It sounds like they don't think so. It sounds like they want to use him as a hybrid, have him play linebacker sometimes safety. Some other times have him be a, a third uh, you know, guy there in the box could could be important, but I, I I just they are so thin at safety. They are, and and I think the need for a veteran safety is a little bit even more so than the need for the veteran edge rusher, which they also need. But you know, the one thing I remember the very first day of rookie camp, the coaches mentioning uh, when they saw Carpenter out there on the field. They talked about his range and his mobility. So mm-hmm. maybe they're rethinking the change over to inside linebacker or maybe some of the roles that he may be able to fill in his rookie year. But one thing we do know for sure, he'll probably be a core special teams guy or at least have the chance to to assume that role this year. Yeah, excellent observation. I'm excited to see what he can do on special teams. I like his attitude. Uh, one thing, fun thing about Tariq Carpenter is he did grow up a Packer fan. Uh, I think his mom was the bigger Packer fan, but there's a picture of him wearing a uh, Super Bowl 45 T-shirt as a little kid. You know, he's not that much younger than me. I'm uh, I'm I'm only 27, so I'm not that old. But when these guys getting drafted are 21, 22 years old, uh, all of a sudden there's starting to be a gap between me and some of these. Yeah. And, and this year, because of COVID, some of these guys are a little older than they typically are. So that true, sort of true. skews it a little bit also. That is true. That is true. Uh, so Tariq Carpenter, I, I again, big special teams uh, potential there. Uh, excited about that. And, you know, we, we have talked already on this show uh, when we were doing the Quay Walker episode, about the Packers, or I guess I should specifically specifically say Joe Barry's desire to have more linebackers, to be able to have two linebackers out there at all times, which takes some pressure off of the safety room. Remember, a lot of a lot of last year, we were doing a lot of three safety looks, um, and and sending um, Adrian Amos to go play, you know, more of a a nickel linebacker role. Um, in some of these games. And the hope is that Quay Walker is going to come along quickly enough that he can be trusted in year one to be out there alongside Devondre. Um, you know, maybe, maybe change Devondre's role a little bit so that, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, a little bit more on like cleanup duty and, and needs to be gap sound and, and Quay maybe flies around a little bit more and is, you know, blitzes and that kind of stuff that you don't need to be as disciplined in. But I think they're going to want that third guy out there as well in a Tariq uh, mold. 
uh, a guy who really is a safety in a linebacker's body. That would be something that I, you know, look, a lot of teams would kill for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and is Tariq talented enough to be that, uh, you know, remains to be seen. Uh, we'll take a look at uh, his, some of his draft profiles and, and read some of the stuff they say about him. Uh, football IQ. This comes from the draft network. Carpenter is a sufficient processor that generally keeps things in front of him. He is assertive when playing closer to the line of scrimmage and playing downhill. His coverage instincts leave something to be desired in terms of anticipatory skills. Here's, here's why I started to get excited about him tackling, which of course is super important for Joe Barry's defense and super important to, I think any really good defense. Yes. Carpenter is a big physical tackler that can trigger from deep alignments and make tackles. He has very good hitting power and contact balance. He tackles more like a linebacker than a safety. Um, where? Let's see. Where did I put this? Uh, I have one of these pages that I have open is. Uh, shoot. It's his size. One of his measurables. I have I have it open. Here we go. Tariq Carpenter. Thank you. Um. So, uh, eight point nine RAS. Right. He is. Uh, dang it! This is still not the right page. Come on. How big is he? Because he's he's a big guy. Six two two thirty. Thank you. I should have just asked you from the beginning. <laughs> Six two two thirty. That's that's pretty really big for a safety uh for comparison adrian amos is six foot and he is 214 pounds so carpenter is two inches and 16 pounds uh bigger than adrian amos so and his relative athletic score 9.02 so much to be excited about with this guy (laughs) carpenter's is 9.02 yeah Oh, so this page I'm looking at, which doesn't have his height and weight listed, so I, I don't trust it a ton, had had, a, had it lower at 8.9. I'm going to trust your number. Um, e- either way, those for a seventh-round pick, that's off the charts. It really is. It really is. Uh, some more notes. So here we go. Run defense. Let's talk about this. Carpenter thrives as a plus-one defender in the box as a safety to defend the run. Uh, that said, he'll need to prove his ability to play full time on the second level in the NFL. Should he be tasked with a position change? He has the size and length to take on blocks and play the run. So, uh, he played at Georgia tech, uh, which is what division is that? Uh, Georgia tech. They are in the, their FBS, uh, coastal division of the ACC. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, you're, you're playing um, okay uh, competition. In 2021, they played against Georgia. They lost 0 to 45. They played against Notre Dame. They lost 0 to 55. They played Boston College. That was a lot closer. They lost 30 to 41. They played Miami, lost 30 to 33. Um, there is a pattern here. Yeah, the pattern is they're playing some darn good teams. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
Let's see, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Uh, I think I already said Miami. So they, but they, they, they did play some really uh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Actually, they beat North Carolina forty-five to twenty-two. Duke. Uh, I think that is their whole schedule. I think I got everybody. Uh, Northern Illinois as well, uh, and Kennesaw State, which I don't even know where that is. Oh, they played Clemson. Wow, that was close. Eight to fourteen. They almost won. Like. So, so he he uh, and and they played Pitt, and they got blown out twenty-one to fifty-two. But. Uh, the, he he did does have experience playing against um, good players. Mm-hmm. He got got his his whole defense got their butts kicked by good good players. But um, he'll have better teammates around him now. <laughs> <laughs> Your special teams notes: Carpenter projects well to a special teams role in the NFL. He has good size, functional strength, and length with the temperament needed to be featured covering kicks and punts. His ability to transition to linebacker and prove himself on special teams will be critical to his ability to stick in the NFL. Uh, Negatives. He lacks fluidity. Um, Doesn't have ideal athleticism for a safety, but can get by at linebacker. However, you brought up that we were hearing that the coaches were really impressed with his speed and athleticism at OTAs. So there's hope. There is hope. All right, uh, so Tariq Carpenter, um, interesting addition. Um, certainly could be the face of a much improved special teams unit this year. Speaking of special teams, let's talk about John Ford. Drafted as a defensive tackle. I think this guy's uh, role, um, sans injury and people getting abducted by aliens and stuff, I think this guy's <laughs> role is going to be pretty much limited to uh, blocking on special teams, uh, kick and punt blocking, something he was pretty good at in college. He is a big guy. Where is, he? let's see, uh, six foot five, 315 pounds. That's a big boy. Arms 32 and a, uh, three quarters. Uh, he's got mm, kind of smallish hands, but I'm not sure that's a, a big deal. Uh, let's see, strengths. Delivers a strong punch and uses his hands to shed blocks to make plays in the hole or outside the box. Uses lower body strength to anchor inside. He's a strong tackler. Plays with leverage at the point of attack, whether inside or outside. Tall, solid frame with adequate length. Has done a nice job losing the bad weight and firming up his body. It's nice to hear. Can make the impressive chest-to-chest bear hug tackles in the hole due to his ability to wreak havoc in the backfield. Now, Again, I, I don't see, and I could be off on this, I don't see a big role for him on defense at all. I He graded out really poorly, had um, really poor relative ath- athleticism. Yes. Let's see if I've got his number. I think it was like a two or a three. 3.53 I have here. Yeah, uh, and his, his grades were poor, but he did play well blocking for um, kicks and punts on special teams. And I think that that's where they're going to shoot him in. I think that's why he was drafted. We'll see. I could be wrong, uh, but that is absolutely what I anticipate for him. And with uh, 3.53 with Tyler Lancaster being gone um, and, and, you know, for, for all of his uh, defensive contributions, he will not be missed on special teams. Tyler Lancaster will not. Uh, You froze up there for a minute. 
Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you now. You froze up for a minute. Oh, sorry. Well, no, my, it's the, okay. It still recorded my audio correctly. Good. So, I, like, I have three five three as his uh, athletic score. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I was I was saying, uh, Tyler Lancaster no longer with the team. For all of Tyler Lancaster's defensive contributions, he will not be missed on special teams. I think John Ford will step in quite nicely and fill um, Lancaster's role blocking on uh, on field goal attempts. <laughs> Well, yeah, he and he should be at least as good as a rookie, if not better. The the bar is uh, basically laying on the floor. Yeah, I I always liked Tyler. I thought he did a a decent enough job on defense. Never had any big complaints about him on defense. But as a uh, blocker, he was absolutely dreadful. Um, single handedly res- uh, responsible for um, a number of um, blocked kicks. Uh, over the last two years. Next up, we have Rashid Walker. This was a guy who I really liked. Um, I was much higher on him than consensus and was really surprised at how he ended up being viewed by NFL teams, falling all the way to the seventh round. I thought that he could have been a third or fourth round pick. So this is the uh, left tackle at Penn State. I got to see him go up against uh, the Ohio State pass rush, and they certainly struggled against the Penn State offensive line. I was impressed with Rasheed Walker in that game. Big Ten had a number of decent pass rushers. He got to play against uh, Aiden Hutchinson. I think he also got to play against George Karloftis. Mm -hmm. Um, And he uh, had been a... Um, reliable starter for Penn State for a few years. I think his first year, because he was, uh, he started 13 games as a freshman, I believe. Um, Penn State had had a number of uh, freshman players uh, in that season. I think, I want to say 2018 was his uh, first year as a starter, but he was a, a uh, four-year starter for Penn State. Um, and uh, reliable left tackle. I liked him a lot. Uh, other draft folks that I talked to were frustrated with his um, consistency. Yep. One thing you cannot really deny is uh, a lot of the athleticism. He got had, had great upper body strength, uh, a lot of experience, very athletic guy. There's a lot to like here that you feel like he could develop into something down the road for sure. But I think if you're looking at the entire offensive line room, I would say he has further to go than uh, even some of our um, undrafted free agents. Maybe Uh, I would say uh, if if you're looking at at guys in our room who have an absurd amount of potential, and a long way to go to get there. It's Rashid Walker and Caleb Jones, who we talked about, who's the uh, six foot nine, three hundred and seventy pounder, uh, <laughs> monster <laughs> right tackle. Yeah, I, I I don't think Rashid Walker is going to get any playing time this year. Could be wrong about that, but I I just don't see it for him. But I really would like to see him stick around for a few years and develop. And there could be a role for him again, blocking on uh, punts and kicks. 
that would be, I think, his best chance to make the roster this year. Otherwise, he may be practice squad material. He does feel like a practice squad cat candidate. Yep. Uh, definitely being willing to go out and play special teams and, and being good at blocking for uh, field goals could endear him to uh, Rich Passaccia enough to earn a draft uh, or a, a roster spot. Talking about some strengths. This comes from uh, NFLDraftBuzz.com, a site that we like. Decent run blocker who plays with leverage. Good foot speed. Impressive combination of measurables at six foot six, three hundred thirteen pounds. Uh, it's been so uh, we don't have all of his numbers, but unofficial numbers: five hundred one forty, four six six shuttle, twenty eight inch vertical, um, eight hundred seven broad jump. Not bad. Uh, let's see. Gets gets off the snap with explosion and quickness. Nice developed hands. Quick out of his stance with the footwork to be effective in front of screens. It's exciting. Can get to the second level with surprising agility. Uh, that was a note that um, sticks out in my memory when we were talking about uh, Zach Tom and Sean Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that uh, both those guys were described with. It, it And we were, I think, both struck by the similarities between Zach Tom and Sean Ryan, that it felt like they were trying to take two, ver- two copies of the same type of player in the hopes that one of them would hit. And maybe to a degree, Sean Ryan fits into that same mold as well. Or I mean, uh, Rasheed Walker fits in that same mold as well. Yeah, the the difference between Walker and some of the other guys, here is a guy, again, he was injured late in his senior year that did affect his ability to do the uh, combine and the post-draft, uh, the postseason pre-draft testing. But the other thing is this the lack of consistency. Here is a guy with all the athletic ability in the world, all the tools you could ask for, but the production wasn't quite there. And the it, it, it's almost like the scouts are saying, we know this guy has it in him, but can we get the coaching staff to bring it out of him consistently? And that's going to be the key to his ability to be successful at the next level. Yeah, he... Uh, was projected most places that I looked, he was projected to be a third or fourth round pick. NFL.com, this is written by Lance Zerline, draft projection, round three. Mm-hmm. NFL comparison, Deion Dawkins. He says, uh, Walker possesses enticing power and measurables, but has issues that could be challenging to correct if he stays at tackle. Ohio State defenders were able to burn up his outside edge, which creates concern about his pass pro range, but it can be hard to beat his anchor with pure power. He has issues playing beyond his base, creating chronic overextension that will be exploited by skilled NFL rush talent. He's capable as a run blocker and should keep getting better with more handwork. Walker projects as a right tackle on the next level, but might move inside to guard if his range and balance in pass sets aren't up to par. Uh, which I, I just like that that uh, description of him. Just really succinct. Um, kind of finds a, n- a couple nice little boxes to put him in. Yeah, and and let's hope that he's a that they're able to tap into that talent and that ability and get him to be a successful NFL player. That's uh, you know that is definitely what the hope is. And and look, it's a seventh round pick, so there's very little downside to this. He is a seventh round pick. He's also a seventh round pick 
who was projected as a third or fourth rounder. So there is that exciting potential there. Yeah. Uh, to say the least, I will be disappointed if he doesn't at least stick around as a practice squad guy, um, you know, at least till next year. I would like to see what he can turn into because he clearly has a lot of potential, and a lot of gifts. Yeah, I, I would like to see that, too. And I would have to say that he would have to have a very, very poor camp for them not to at least put him on the practice squad. Well, yes, but I, I guess uh, in regards to the practice squad, I was a little bit more thinking about somebody else swiping him uh, because right. of that potential in the intrigue. I just don't see him as a guy who you could uh, get on your practice squad that, that if you uh, cut it from your roster, that he's going to get snatched up that day. Well, the, the fact of the matter is he lasted until the seventh round for a reason. And yes, a lot of people had him projected third round, fourth round. Uh, but you know, that means that 32 teams passed on him four times after, you know, after he was projected to go. So you know, th- there's a reason for that, and hopefully we will not find out what that is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the Packers wrapped up their draft with wide receiver out of Nebraska, Samori Toure. So we're going to wrap up our episode with Toure as well. Six foot one, 192 pounds. Uh, the first thing that jumps out to me about Toure is his age. He's 25 years old. Um, one of the things that is appealing about that older players coming in from the draft um, tend to be a lot closer to their ceiling than these younger players. So if you're looking at Toure, you're kind of saying he's probably already is who he's going to be. Probably not a lot uh, of room to go up from here, but that's not necessarily a terrible thing for this year when we need some, instant impact in 2022 uh Dobbs and Watson are much younger um Watson in particular is super raw and there is absolutely room for a guy like Toure to step up and have a role in this in the offense this year and then maybe be overtaken uh later in the season or next season by some of these younger guys Toure, to me, though, is a guy who has an opportunity ahead of him to make some instant impact at the beginning of this season uh, if he can get on the field. Uh, Interesting style of player. We talked about a a couple of uh, weeks ago. um, We were using the the basketball analogy. And uh, Toure is um, an interesting guy in that he really projects as a slot receiver um, with a, with a really nice full route tree. Um, not necessarily the fastest guy, but some decent enough size to him um, that uh, I, I think he really could thrive across the middle of the field. Yeah. And his speed's not bad. It's a 4.4440 which uh, is not bad. Now, he played his senior year at Nebraska, but was at Montana before that. And he can get deep. He led the Big Ten with 19.5 yards per catch in 2021, which is uh, 
pretty impressive. Had five 100-yard receiving games last year. Uh, can go deep and had 25 career touchdown passes at Montana and Nebraska. So uh, you like his route running ability. He is, as you said, a little bit further along in that respect than uh, some of the earlier receivers that we took. And, you know, yes, there's not as much upside because of his age, 24, but he will probably get a little bit of uh, a boost and a little bit of upside when he when the game slows down for him a little bit at the NFL level. Yeah, I think the word that comes to my mind looking at him is polished. He's a very polished prospect. Uh, there are, are three categories that I, I think you would say or, or three topics with him that you would say are, are really exciting and intriguing. The first is route running. He has a really nice full route tree has the ability to separate at all three levels of the field. Um, been described as uh, having really good hips, uh, gets in and out of his breaks really well. Um, he uh, has uh, demonstrated uh, good ability to beat man coverage at times. Um, and uh, he's he's got a, a long kind of loping stride that's interesting to watch as he's run down the field. The second category I think gets you really excited is his hands. Really good hands, good body control, soft, strong hands, uh, doesn't have a lot of drops. Uh, this is a guy who, if you get the ball near him, he's probably going to catch it. Uh, there are some elements of his game that remind me of Alan Lazard. Mm-hmm. And the the final note about him that I think is exciting is his versatility because you can put him out on the boundary. Um, and like you said, he, he did thrive, uh, there, um, at Nebraska. Uh, he certainly can be a deep threat. He also is, is certainly lethal in the slot and, um, he's a bit of a, uh, size mismatch, uh, if you're going to put him up, up against a smaller nickel defender, uh, there's some intriguing potential there as well. Uh, but overall, the the route running and the hands to me um, are, are really exciting as just maybe kind of just a, a possession receiver could be the kind of guy a la Alan Lazard who you turn to when games are kind of in danger of getting out of control and you just really need to pick up a first down here or there. Toure might be that guy. He definitely could be. Now, he's not as tall or as big as Lazard. He's only six foot tall, 190 pounds. But he does have that that ability to run the right routes and be in the right place at the right time. And you can completely see him being someone who might be able to gain Aaron Rodgers' trust a little mm-hmm. sooner than some of the other rookies. Yeah, he's, I think he's actually six one. But one of the things um, that I I would note as a negative about him, especially in Green Bay, not a great uh, run blocker. No, part of that has to do with how thin he is, and that's not a typical Packers receiver. He he's a little shorter, a little skinnier. There's not a lot of guys who have come through Green Bay, Wisconsin in recent years who kind of match his physical build. One thing that has me interested in Toure is his ability 
on special teams. Could he be a returner? Um, and I think I've lost my notes here. I think that uh, he has a lot of experience as a punt returner, not as a kick returner, but right. as a punt returner. So that could be an interesting uh, way for him to get on the field as well, or rather at least to make it onto the roster if he starts the season off as a designated returner. And then, as you said, there is uh, potential with his uh, good route running abilities and his hands to earn Aaron Rodgers' trust. And that's a fantastic way to get on the field. Yeah. And without Devontae Adams, without MVS being there, we need as many receivers who are going to have his trust as possible this year to prevent a slow start offensively. Actually, I found my notes. Uh, it's a kick returner that he has experience as, not punt returns. So uh, kick returns, um, he uh, – I don't have the numbers, but he does have um, some, some substantial experience there. Uh, wouldn't be surprised at all to see him in the mix there under Basaccia. Yeah, would interesting to give him a shot. And again, as a seventh-round pick, you need to be able to contribute on special teams unless he really blows people away on offense right out of the gate. So this is your draft class. Uh, I'm excited. I like these guys a lot. And I think that, uh, you know, with any seventh rounders, it's always a crapshoot. You know, it's it's a bunch of scratch offs and you're hoping to hit on like one of them. But I think there's intriguing potential with all of these guys and certainly can see a path to the roster for all four of these seventh rounders uh, and maybe even ways that they can impact the season as early as their rookie year uh, for the team. So uh, excited. I like this draft class. Usually uh, at this point in the year, I'm still trying to talk myself into our draft class. (laughs) Not so. I'm uh, fully on board, super excited about the entire draft class. Even I I would say right after the draft, the guy I was least excited about was Romeo Dobbs. And I've really talked myself into him. I I think that there's a a big potential, big role for him this year and uh, and in the future. I'm excited about him. I'm excited about the guys we talked about tonight. I'm, I'm pumped for this season and for what these guys can do for us uh, going forward in the next few years, whether they are able to make any difference in their rookie season or not. Yeah, no, there's a lot of potential here. I like the way that uh, Brian Gutekunst went about this draft, and I am looking forward to seeing what this draft class can do, keeping in mind that it may take three years before we really have a real idea of how good this class is. Absolutely. Uh, any last thoughts on uh, on the draft picks from you, Gil? Uh, and uh, like I said, I'd, I'd like to do the undrafted free agents at some point, but I feel like uh, maybe take a week or two off and hit some other topics first. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And uh, no, no, nothing else to add at this point. All right. Well, I'm excited. Gil's excited. That does it for us today. And we'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. You can also email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not